Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. So there have been some things that have gone on this week. We may get to them in this cast. However, Sean has told me that he is prepared to, as in, and this is a direct quote, bake my noodle. So I am just going to go ahead and hand Sean the soapbox and say, let's go for it. Well, I uh, I did. I wondered... I wondered how you'd you'd handle this because I it's been it's been messing me up and it and it goes a little bit into my media recommendation but uh, we can go over that a little bit later. I'm gonna ask you the question I'm gonna have. So I was watching Russian Doll and I watched both seasons of it in two days. Uh, it's a time travel loop type thing. Sounds like and you enjoyed it. I did indeed, but it ends with something that kind of made me curious. So. If you had two sentences to change, to go back, and yourself would believe you. If you had two sentences to change your life, what would you tell yourself? Well. In the future. In the future or from the future? Oh, you're coming back in the future from the future to tell your past self something, or okay. your father's past self. Ooh, what would you do if you had two? That's all you get. You get two sentences. <sighs> that's a, that, I mean, a, that's a difficult one because we. I'm, I'm sure most of us in this world have always have had certain things in our lives that we've regretted and which we've looked at and gone. I wish I could go back and do that over again. But you start looking at some of these things and you start looking at some of the things that you have in your life now and you start saying, but if I change that, would I still have this? Now, right. the easy one for, for people like, for example, in yours and mine situation is your kids. If I changed my if I, girl, if I changed, you know, how did I go to that party? You know, did I do well, whatever? Did you it, marry her? But they, but they even went through that. And we talked about the movie uh, several casts back about time. Yeah. And even then he figured out that he that once his kids were born, he couldn't, he couldn't go change past, anything. He couldn't. Well, no, yeah. he, he actually literally could not go past back past that because it, it, it would change something just as simple as which sperm hit the egg. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was always the limit as far as how far back he could go, and that and it even caused him other issues. Whereas, um, you know, he goes back to play ping pong and talk books and visit his father after his father passes away. But the moment one of his children are born, he has to go back just before his wife's going to go into labor and look at his father and say, "I can't be here anymore." So that that's actually really the tough part about it. I mean, we all have things that we regret, and I'm pretty sure I could come up with things that I regret. Well, let's put it this way: I can come up with things that I regret. I think I can also come up with things that I re- couldn't that I would regret that I could alter with those two sentences. 
with that said, what am I willing to give up? And that's that's really I think the interesting part of it. Are you like the the question comes really with are you happy with what you have or would you risk what you have to get something different? And this sentence, you know, or this opportunity, had I been 20 years old, oh, I'd have changed a ton of stuff. I could have changed all kinds of stuff. Um, like what school I went to, where, you know, who I dated, all that kind of stuff, because I hadn't met what would become my future wife. I hadn't had kids. Like I wouldn't risk my children now to go back and change some of that stuff or change I mean, hell, I mean, a I, job I took I or mean, whatever. It, it could even be something as simple as one particular night I could say, don't get out of the hot tub. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but But at the same time, you know, we even go back to things like, quote unquote, the butterfly effect. How does that alter where you are now? And even if you even if you have pieces of your life that you may not appreciate at the moment, if you have pieces of your life that you regret. And, and as I said, I don't think there's a single human being in this world that cannot look at their entire life and say that I regret nothing. Right. You always regret something. You live long enough, you always regret something, whether it's but, a lot or a little. But there's always going to be something in your life. Now, as I said, for me, it's my kid. I would assume that it's something very similar for you. Mm. Um, th- there's going to be something in your life that you ha- that you have to ask yourself, if I change even that little bit, do I not have that anymore? Right. And for me, it's 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 crazy to think about because it's it's – well, and and the character in the show goes through, uh, and we'll talk about that later. But the the character in the show goes through, like she really does wish, at least at the beginning of this, that her life would have been different because she had some serious parental issues um, with her mother. And you know, are you happy with your life? Are you actually happy enough with your life to say, I wouldn't change this because of the people around me? Or is it bad enough that you would go, screw this, it's got, anything I do will be better than this, and you start messing with it? And to me, I think it's, and now we're going to get into stupid reality questions or stupid reality thinking, but I think that's kind of why we don't get that option as as a rule as a as a universal rule just because i don't think we're smart enough as as human beings to make that call cuz if we did we'd screw it up well i'm i'm convinced of it well i first of all i'll offer you a different perspective on the question that you've made because i had a interesting conversation with one of my parents uh yesterday and it's actually a conversation i've had but my parents are separated or divorced long since so so this is a conversation i've literally had with both of them at different times both started in a very similar way i recently had a birthday i turned 48 years old i'm pushing 50 years old Mm -hmm. um my daughter is uh, is about to graduate from high school and go to college so that's a little bit of a transition in time and age um the person I was having a conversation with was my mother who turned 70 in two days. Um, and it was kind of one of those, 
wow, how does it, you know, did you really think this is where you were going to end up and all that, all that wonderful stuff, how weird is it to be this old? And both my mother and father have asked me that question before at different times, and I gave them both the same answer, and I'll tell you the other perspective I come at this from is I recently saw a TikTok thing, which was uh, seven ways to know that you were raised by narcissistic parents. (laughs) and i literally sent it to my brother going this one hits a little close to home now doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) so my answer was also as somebody who's gone through some mental health issues through his life my answer to them upset both of them because my answer to them was if you would have asked me that question 20 years ago i didn't think i would have made it this far Mm mm-hmm you know, I, I didn't I wouldn't if you would have asked me 20 years ago, I wouldn't have thought I would have made it to now. Um, so it, it's also a different perspective of is holy shit, I actually made it to now. Well, what I you know, as much as I could probably go back and make certain things happier. Is that really the right way to go? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I I, I, as everybody else in this world, have regrets. And there are certain things in this life that I wish I had that I don't. But at the same time, I have really have come to a, to a place at close to 50 years old in which I am actually very, very comfortable, warts and all, with who I am. I'm very, yeah, very that's... comfortable, regrets and all, with where my life has turned out. Not everything that's happened in it, but where it's turned out. I I, I, I so, thought for five days, and I came up with one thing, and that's the only thing I'd have changed. Um, and it would be to go back to my dad, not just me, not me, but my dad, and tell him when I was about nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. We uh, I had just. <laughs> I had just uh, not been admitted to the military. I was not in um, uh, college, and I did not have a job when I was 19 years old. There was a span of time where I was just like cut loose and listless. And my father, I know what he was going through now, but then I didn't quite understand it. I'm like, what's the big deal? I'm just, you know, like a little directionless right now or something like that. But all he saw was himself at that age and it took a war and being drafted to get him off the couch right so um all he saw was like oh my god i raised a bum i failed and he had a conversation now he did not know i was listening to it but he had a conversation with my mother where he uh (laughs) famously because my entire family heard it my mother who he was talking to and my brother and i who were in the next room uh where he was just lamenting this and he was just sure i was going to be on the streets as a drug dealer and my mom's like that's not who he, he's not doing that he just needs a direction and he's and my my father turns to my mom and goes what other skills does he have rose <laughs> <laughs> and that statement caused a rift in our relationship for the next 10 years and i if if now I I didn't understand where he was coming from. I was 19 years old. What the hell do I understand about anything? Like I didn't know. 
but the fact that he did not believe in it, to my mind, he did not believe in me so much that he would make that statement. Um, to me at that time proved that he didn't know me at all. Now I know it was more about his fear than my anything now. Right. But I didn't and, know. And that. the other thing is, is that the you what you also realize is the unfortunate part is not the fact that he said it, but the fact that you heard it. Yeah. The fact be, that be, I heard it. Because because, you know, as well as any any other parent, that there are conversations that you have about your concerns. You weren't with your meant children to hear that. that yeah. Well, that your children were not meant to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're and going, I'm sure they, he thought it was like that. They're going to hear. They're going to know. They're going to find out. But at the same time, you're going to have conversations with your spouse that are not meant for your children. And I, I didn't forgive him for it for for close to a decade. It caused a rift in our relationship. Now we're great now. I mean, he's he's one of my best friends now. We go shooting every freaking weekend. Um, I I call him three four times a week. But for about ten years there, I I never forgave him. You know, like like all that time. And if he had died during that time, um, I think about this often. If he'd have passed during that time, I'd have I it would have been unresolved because I was not fucking talking to him, right? Uh, you um, know, uh, in, in all honesty, you know, uh, my mother and I reconnected after not having spoken to each other for twenty years. Wow. That's a long ass time, man. Uh, and a lot of that, as you become an adult, it's also part of the uh, learning to be comfortable with who I am and where I am in this world. Is some of these things that you look at, especially as you become a parent and start to deal with some of the issues with your own children, is you start to look at some of these things that have happened and say, "We are never going to agree with what happened." We're not going to agree on one. We're not even going to agree on what actually happened. Oh, yeah. Perspectives are different. Um, memories are different. That it, 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 there's a choice that has to be made. And it's not and there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer to that choice. It's a can we put that all behind us and start fresh and new from where we're standing today? And I've had to go through that with both of my parents. Yeah, I I had to do it with my dad. I didn't have to do it with my mom. My mom is as far as I can tell, a glowing ball of light. Um she's <laughs> she's the other way. She is aggre- I call it aggressively supportive. <laughs> she my mom believes I can do anything. You know, like I could solve Einstein's space-time problem in an afternoon if I just put I, my mind I'm to it. I'm 99.9% sure that I actually did solve that while stoned out of my mind sitting on the porch at about 24 years old. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the thing that's really, really disappointed and have bothered me to this day is, is that when I came down from it and woke up the next morning, I can't remember what it was. You know, don't you hate those? Yeah. <laughs> There's a, uh, uh, did you ever watch Mad Men? Uh, actually, I did not. Uh, Mad Men, it was, it was great. And uh, it was about, um, uh, ad men of the sixties, right? And 
it was it, it's about being productive and creative on a budget on a schedule on for somebody else right which is what i do for a living i'm a i'm a creative artist well not so much anymore i kind of head that now but but how i made my living for many years was bringing somebody else's vision that they didn't know they had that that was perfect for them but i had to create it in my head out of whole cloth what, what was kevin spacey's line from uh uh, American Beauty. I've been a whore for the ad agency for 25 years. The only way I could find redemption now is to start firebombing. Yeah, no, basically. <laughs> um, but being creative for somebody else is a very different thing than being creative for yourself. And there's this fantastic scene where a guy, uh, he's an ad guy, and he's he comes up, he's blind, stumbling, drunk, but he comes up with the perfect campaign for these for this client of theirs and he's like oh yes and he 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 he's got it it's the perfect thing and then he passes out and he cannot remember <laughs> what the hell it was the next morning and if you're a serious artist uh, especially a serious commercial artist it's happened to you if you've been an artist long enough and there's a there's a, he goes to work and he's and, and they're like, I thought you had it. And he goes, I, I did. You know, and he explains to this to this woman, uh, I think it's Peggy. And and she's like, oh, God, I hate it when that happens. All right. So let's go tell him. And they go to tell Draper, the, the main guy. And he and they start asking him about it and everything. And she's like, just tell him. And he's like, what? Just just tell him. And she turns to him and he's like, no, I can't do this. And she's like. He had it and he lost it. And he's like, God, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> like all artists go through this. You know, it's it's like it's it's one of those things. And I it's one of my driving things. That conversation, that line from my father caused me to overdo the skills I now have. Like I want to know how to do everything. And I have since I was 19 years old. Because I made a decision at that point, like, I'm going to have more skills than you. I'm going to know them better. I'm going to be magnificent in every way, and fuck you. And for 10 years, I became the human sponge. <laughs> I learned everything I could possibly learn about anything I could get my hands on just so I could throw it in his face one day. And what's funny is when that day came where – I knew I knew more than him in certain subjects and all that kind of stuff. I just turned around and started teaching him because it was like after we had made up and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> like all of that for nothing. But I, I, I think like you're saying, like you have to make a decision at some point, whether you're going to be, whether you're just going to ride that, that issue to the grave and have it stuffed and mounted or you're going to let it go because normally and this is just my own personal opinion. It's the kid who has to let it go because the parents are more set and remember it. Like you're saying, they remember it differently or they remember it not being a big deal or, you know, something uh, like that. Uh, that that may be normally, but it's actually it, it wasn't the same thing in my experience. Really? No. So you're now, the it, hard ass. It, <laughs> yes and, and no. Uh, I, I mean, the, the medical term for it, and we've talked about this uh, off the cast before, that I that that would describe me as neurodivergent. 
um, and that was very, very difficult for my parents to grasp. Now, I personally think my father suffers from the, some of the same issues that I do. Um, I know my daughter does. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it took basically for me to, uh, all of the effort that you put into um, learning things for the reason that you did. I, for a similar reason, spent most of my life learning to appear normal. It's one of the reasons why when I try to explain to people that I am neurodivergent, that originally they start out not believing me. Because all of that same energy that you put into um, learning these things, I learned into how to at least appear normal. So, <laughs> so when it finally came to a head, and it was right about the time I turned 40 years old, uh, it started with me doing what you've actually seen a lot of people do in this world. It's actually part of the part of what uh, a lot of common current mental health stuff does that really bothers me, which is standing there saying, this is the way I am. The world needs to deal with me. Fuck everybody. And I did that for a period of time. Oh, sure. Yeah. Doesn't work. But yeah, sure. no, it, it, it doesn't. Um and when I, the point in time where I finally started to figure out that it's, this is about me learning how to deal with the world. However, I also don't need to pretend that I'm not different anymore. Yeah. And that was oh, very, yeah. very difficult for my father. Oh, well, and you know, to be fair, to be fair, uh, that comes from a different generation. They're, well, they're true, but at the same time, it's just why my experience was a little bit different, that he finally had to recognize that I am who I am, not who he wants me to be. And it literally took 40 years of my life for him to do that. Yeah, see, that's that's very difficult, um, especially... Now, now, he and I have a, have a very, very decent and wonderful relationship at this point in our lives. But at the same time, it took that bit of chaos discomfort and all of that wonderful stuff to to get there and that's actually <laughs> believe it or not as a roundabout path as it took to get there that's actually fairly common um just well, having but but even then it's kind of like um what we started the conversation with is what could you go back and tell somebody or tell yourself one of the things that i would consider being able to tell to my to my parents is Going back and saying, uh, the, the psychologist is right. You're wrong. Listen to the man. Yeah. Uh, it's the, not going to get any better until you do. <laughs> I, in, but, but once again, if that happens and everything turns out wonderful and roses at that point in time, my life goes on a completely different path. Yeah. And, and, I, and the circumstances which led to me meeting my wife don't happen. Therefore, my child doesn't happen. So, you know, through all of that pain and suffering, is it really a bad thing at this point in life? So, so do you? So, once again, how do you judge that? Yeah, and that's where that's exactly where I got to as well. Because it's like, well, if I didn't do that, and I had a rosy relationship with both my parents from the age of nineteen on. 
would have I would I have learned all those things? And by the way, the reason I'm in the position I'm in now in life is because I was charging so hard to learn all this stuff and all these skills and all this stuff to to do. And you know, I got accolades for my art and I wanted to be higher up in the process and I had all this ambition was just to to like deep down it was like to spite my father to prove that I was better than him and more creative and, you know, all these things. I don't think I'd be in the same place now if I was just like, but, but even I don't know, the, fat and happy. But I also think the perspective that you and I are, are at right now also does come a little bit more with age and time because I'll use my younger brother as an example. He's about 10 years younger than I am. And he hasn't quite found that that yet especially when it comes to our parents now he has a decent relationship with my father he has absolutely no relationship with my mother but even with that for both of them he still harbors a decent amount of resentment sure and one of the things that i've tried to get him to do now he's rather stubborn runs in the family (laughs) you're like come by that honestly um so it, it 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 it's it's done gently, it's done carefully, and it's hopefully done over time if it succeeds at all. But just the idea of uh, you know, look at where you are. You have a wife who is absolutely wonderful human being. You have two little nutball kids who are absolutely you know just just awesome little boys. Uh, oh, if you didn't go through what you went through, if you didn't have the parents that you had who treated you in the way that you did, who pushed you in the way that they did, whether that be positive or negative, you wouldn't have these things that you have now that you hold so dear. Yeah, and and do you change that? You know, how important is that to you? Or do you change? And I went round and round about it for for a while, and I'm and I. I just came to the conclusion that I don't think I would change anything. I don't think because I, I uh, and you've seen a, a recent picture of my daughter. My daughter is basically a me in a thirteen-year-old girl body. I mean, she looks just like me. She acts just like me. She has my same personality. She has my same smart-ass mouth. She has the same wit. She's creative. She's me, only thirteen. Well, I don't think I could give that up for anything. You know, this being one of those things that has been thought about before, let's take the question in a slightly different angle. If you came to the natural end of your life and someone offered you an opportunity to go back through it, having changed something just to see how certain things would have turned out, would you take that opportunity? Do I affect the ones that have already happened, or is this just no, no, like no? A, you come to the end of your life, it's like a save game. You just go back to it. Yes, a you point can respawn back at the beginning and do it over again if you wanted to, uh, but you can change something just do to I, see how it would turn. Do out. I keep my current knowledge, or do I have to relearn all that shit? Pick one. If I don't keep my current knowledge, um, you do get yes. to, you, you do get to change something. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would. It's totally not like you're back. just going to go through the same shit over again. Yeah. Um. You know, I would. Um. I would probably start start over at at high school, like freshman year high school. Um, because the base of who I am, I really, you know, 
I had um you'd think as messed up as I am. I my parents are weird or don't like me or something. Actually, they love me a great deal. Uh, so I I my my childhood was not the best. It wasn't the worst. It was just a childhood. But I like who I am as a as a base core person. So I would start at high school when the decisions started to become mine. Like all, you know, the decisions and stuff that I made and the trouble that I had in my life, I can't blame on it. That was my shit. I I have to own that because they were my problems. So I would start there. And yeah, there'd be a bunch just to see how it would how it would change. Yeah, um, there would be a lot of stuff. First of all, I would be laid a hell of a lot more from <laughs> high school to college because if I get to keep some of the things I know now, like I know I know, like I didn't know when a girl calls you at two a.m. and asks you to come over, that's a booty call. I had no idea what that was. Hell, I'll go we back to my don't like get she... out of the hot tub. I didn't figure out at that point in my life that if somebody looks at you and goes, "Hey, we're getting to the hot tub and we don't need bathing suits," that maybe that means you could get laid. <laughs> Yeah, so let me uh, for our female <laughs> listeners or whoever that may be, we're stupid as a as a gender. If such a thing exists, um, we're <laughs> we're not intelligent. Okay, my my it, it, it's it's another thing that runs in the family and both sides of the family. The best way to put this as politely as possible is for a seventeen year old. My daughter is very physically developed. <laughs> Fair enough. So it's not unusual for her to be mistaken for somebody who's a bit older. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she actually works as a cashier at the movie theater at the moment. Man, talk about rolling people through there. And she comes home incredibly pissed at how many old men hit on her. Well... That's going to happen at the cashier at the movie theater. I, 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 I realize that. But she, she comes home and she looks at me and explains this and goes, and I, I, I just want to say, I hate men. And I looked at her and I went, I, I'd really like to argue with you on this one and try to throw that whole, you know, not all men are like this. But I really do have to say that there's enough of them out there that just make me horrified with my own gender that I, 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 I can't argue with you. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I, I just want to see the look on their faces when you look at them and go, and I'm underage. Yeah. And jail bait. <laughs> you know, my, my daughter, uh, my eldest, uh, who is 13 now, decided that uh, she watches a lot of YouTube makeup videos. Um, uh, yeah, my kid YouTube, watches those too. Yeah, Beautubers, as they're called. I think, um, God, uh, uh, what's her name? Jenna Marbles kind of coined that term. Uh, back before they canceled her. Yeah, she learned uh, how to do the whole like flaring out the eyeshadow thing. Oh yeah, no, she she learned how to do makeup and do the cat eyes and all the stuff and contouring and shit. Well, she decided she was going to wear that on a recent field trip because she was going to look beautiful and all that kind of stuff, and she wanted to dress um, like she saw some of the YouTubers doing it and do her makeup like that. And when she came out that morning, she looked eighteen. I'm not kidding. And I went. Uh oh, <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, um, I realize you're going to the aquarium because um, it would they going on a field trip to a local uh, the Dallas aquarium. And I'm like, you are going to get a lot of attention. Just ignore everybody. She's like, whatever, dad. Well, see, you, you, 
then you're you're a little bit more accepting than I was when mine was that age. Because at that age, uh, or now I'm reduced to at this point in life, considering the fact that she's going to turn 18 in about a month and a half. Yeah, I was going to say, your parental, you can't do that. It's so, coming so, to a definite middle. So what, what I've had to satisfy myself with is, okay, I don't like what you're wearing. Here's why. <laughs> If you if you're interested in my opinion, I don't like it. Whereas well, and, at 13, it would have been no, go back well, upstairs. It wasn't, and that was the problem. It wasn't provocative or anything. She had a leather jacket and jeans and Adidas sneakers and stuff like that. But she freaking looked 18 because of the yeah, makeup. No, I still would have sent her back upstairs. And, and she looked like and she had this all day. She looked like there's a, a TikToker called Call Me Chris K R I S, and she looked just like her with all the makeup on. And she she apparently had such a miserable day because boys were falling all over themselves talking to her that she's like, Dad, it was a miserable failure. You know, I'm like, what happened? Because people I didn't even know kept talking to me. And she's kind of like me. She has anxiety. She doesn't – she has, you know, some issues with social things and all that stuff. And she's just like people just kept coming up and talking to me, guys I didn't even know kids from other classes, you know, boys who are three, four years older than I am in other classes and stuff like that. And I just, I'm, I'm tired of it. I don't want to deal with it. It's just too much talking. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Well, night lesson learned. Right. And <laughs> I'm like, as a dad, you know, you're like, Oh Jesus, you know, but it's going to get worse. Right. Cause it, like you're saying, she's going to be 18 in five years. And holy hell, I'm not ready. I mean, I got a couple of years to deal with this, but it's, it's coming. But I don't I, I don't think, uh, you know, like if I went back and changed some stuff from high school, like if it, the reason I did some of the things I did because I was miserable in high school, I didn't see the point. I didn't try. I graduated with like a 2.17, <laughs> like the lowest. I graduated 41 out of 42 kids in my class. All right. It was not good you know i couldn't get into decent schools i couldn't do some of the things that some of the other people were doing because i didn't have the grades for it and i just never applied myself until i hit art school i wonder i've always wondered what would happen if i you know to your point like if you go back what would happen if i did you know but again at that point you become divergent and of of that situation because all of those situations I'd have never met Shannon if I didn't go to art school at the time I did it. Well, that's why I add in the whole if you had at the end of your life you've experienced you you've done this life right you've come to its natural end so you're not giving up anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'd have, would you I'd have take gone that back opportunity to... kind of see okay let, let's go back and just see what would happen if. Uh, hell, let, let's go real freaky. Let's say I'm born a lesbian, you know, <laughs> something of that nature. I, I, you know, um, uh, I was a hot football player, or I was actually smart, or um, at the age of five I win the Powerball. It's something of that nature, you know, just you know to what see I how would shit would come out. I would, I would, what I would really change, um, if I could change something about myself and then stick myself back in a in an early save game is I would love to be able to have the hand skills drawing like it is in my head 
and be able to just sit down at a piece of paper and draw that and have it come out exactly like it is in my head right now. If I could do that, I would never stop doing that. I, I, if, if it's going to come down to skills, if I went back and did that, what I would like to have is the math. But it's not a skill. It's a natural ability. If I had that natural – I don't no, – no, Okay. But I, I'm, I'm actually – I may have used the wrong terminology, but I'm kind of going along the same way with you. Uh, I have an understanding of conceptual physics that unfortunately doesn't go anywhere because I don't have the math to go along with it. <laughs> sure. Does, does, that, does that make – sense i I yeah well we talked about you not wanting to do the math earlier no but but absolutely i i have the intuitive nature portion of when it comes to things like science and physics and stuff you'd like like to have the math ability to back it up exactly yeah no i get it which i don't have i know i've never had i can't can i do math with a piece of paper absolutely but you know the people who are really good at that stuff are the people who look at the equation on the on the chalkboard make a couple of notations stand back and go four yeah, my brother's like that. It's really freaking annoying. He, he, I, and I, I've got family members like that. But it, it's kind of one of those things where I've got the imaginative side of the conceptual portion of it. I just don't have the math to go along with it. Yeah, I've got mechanical and creative ability. I do not have math. I just don't. It took me years. And, and actually, you know what it took? It took for me to understand algebra in a working kind of thing. Uh, it took me learning to code because it's it. that's all – you know, web application programming is it's straight up algebra. But to me, it was such a foreign concept that until it started doing things and moving stuff around the screen, I did not understand algebra. I just couldn't freaking get there from here. Well, the example I'll use today is, is that I, I work with, with lasers and every laser is m- most of the lasers will use the settings of fluence and duration. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, you get one that decides it wants to use watts instead. <laughs> and it's kind of like, and then, and it's kind of like, well, okay, then you're just going to set this one in this fashion. Well, why, why do you do that? Okay, well, conceptually, I'm telling you this will work. If you really want to sit down with a pencil and piece of paper and do the calculus, I'll show you why it works. It's a pain in the ass. Or you could trust me. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm telling you this will do what you want it to do. Sure. You know, see, because sure. once again, the the person who could then just turn around and go, well, if you do the calculus, this number and this number and this number and this number. See, I can't do that. Yeah, but I my can brother can't. But, but I, I can do the yeah. intuitive portion of it. See, I and there's stuff that I mean, like you're saying, if you got a do over, I would love to see how that turned out. Like, I would love to be able to to actually just sit down with a pencil and draw what's in my head. I can't do that. I have I have a lot of skill, but a lot of trained skills that it took me 20 years to get. And I'm pretty passable as an artist. I'm not bad. I'm not the greatest. But I'm I, I was a working professional artist for 15 years. I I know how to do that. But I I met the guy who has the skills that I would love to be able to do. He worked for me for uh, about a year. And I just looked at him and looked at what he did, and he's sitting there, and I'm waving my arms, telling him what I want and all that kind of stuff, and kind of squibbling on a, on a whiteboard. And he's just sitting there, and I can tell he's paying attention, but he's not looking at me. He's just going, mm, all right, all right, cool. And uh, and I look at him, and I'm a little frustrated. I'm like, you got all that? And he flips his notebook over, and it's exactly what was in my fucking head. 
<laughs> and I went, God damn it. He's got the gift I wanted. You know, like that's and he's never he never went to art school. He never went to anything. He was just that good. He could take something and with his imagination, fill it in and then take tell his hand to make what's in his head come out on paper so everyone else could see it and it then becomes real. I want that. Instead, I have to struggle with programs and, and, and Photoshop. Now, don't get me wrong. Photoshop is a huge cheat, and I can make almost anything <laughs> go with that. But I want the freaking hand skills, and I just don't have them. And I, at 45, I realize now that it, I never will because it's, you know, I struggled with it for 15, 20 years, and I just never got there. And I just realized, like, last year, I never will. I just have to be kind of okay with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'll never be that guy. And I have to be cool with that. And it's it kills me. What What kills me even more is my mom is just like me, and I think she would have benefited from, like, the digital age and it wasn't available for her in the 70s when she was growing up. And she realized about the time I was going to art school, she was too old to learn it. And she would never even get what I got. And I'm like, wow, what do you do? She's like, find another hobby. That's what I did. I'm like, wow, okay. So I, I know what that is. I just, it just kills me that I'll never get there. Um, Another thing that, that would kill me uh, or that kills me now, and I'm, I'm coming to grips with that, and we've talked about it a little bit on the show before, I always pictured I would be that guy who once I retired – I know, that's funny in, in today's <laughs> life and times. So I'll never retire. I'm a Gen X. We're not going to do that. But I always pictured like the end of my life would be like this retirement, and I would have this cool garage, and I would be fixing up an old muscle car. And I would have this thumping great V8 in like an old Camaro or something. And I would just build it myself with my own hands. And, and I can do that. I have skills to do that today. I could put together a, a you know a, a small block Chevy with my eyes closed. It's not hard, okay? But I'll never do that. I'll never do that. One, because I'll never retire. And two, because by the time I got around to it, gasoline-powered vehicles will be outlawed. Like I – I, I was born too late. I will never have that. And it just kind of sucks. <laughs> you know? It's just kind of like, oh, like that, that hobby, that, that vision, that dream will never happen for me. You, you know, it, it was the concept of retirement that made me that, that finally got me to understand class distinction in the United States. And yeah. Um, where I, especially where I fit into that. Um, I had in, until she moved to California, became very Californian and we decided we didn't like each other anymore. Um, I had a very, very close friend who I had met, who was a medical assistant, one of the doctor's offices I worked at. Um, but she did it just for fun. She was independently wealthy. Oh, right on. Yeah, I have one of those at my company as well. She she works because she likes it. Yeah, and, and but at the same time, she's she was. It, 
in the process of talking to her, I started to realize that she didn't actually, as much as I liked her, as much as good friends we were, that she didn't exist on the same plane of reality as I did. Mm-hmm. And I, she, she, she gets married to a guy who was a bit younger than she was, and they were, and he ended up becoming an investment guy. And both of them were getting really, really pissed off at his father because he hadn't made enough arrangements for his retirement. And his father, and their, his father was basically saying, "I have what I have. This is this is fine." And I finally looked at her. I went, "You do realize that not everybody gets to do that." She's like, "What do you mean?" I sit there and went, "I I, I will never retire." Yeah. She goes, what What do you mean? I sit there and went, you know, I, I, it's a conscious decision that I've made. The amount of money that I would have put towards going to retire, I've instead chosen to put towards my child's education. And it, yeah, I, I'll I could work do, till I'm dead. I, I could do one or the other, but at some point in life, uh, you know, the only thing that may save me is, is that I'm likely at work, I'll be in a hospital when I have my heart attack. Mm-hmm. but just the look of utter incomprehension that the idea of putting you know a couple million dollars away for your retirement wasn't just something that everybody did it it was the point in which i realized that really is a divide in this country (laughs) yeah oh yeah you know i i i have a, a co-worker um she is independently wealthy um very, very well. Now, you wouldn't know it uh, from the outside. It's not like she wears designer clothing everywhere or anything like that. She doesn't drive a Lamborghini or anything like that. But she has enough money that she can do all that. Uh, same, same thing with the, the person I was talking about. The only way I figured out what she was talking about is she was talking about different houses that she owned in different places that she rented out. And I'm like, wow, how'd you manage that? And she's like, well, I'm, 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 I'm rich. It's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't, you know, try to really throw it out there you know i mean i drive a ford i you know and, and i still work as a medical assistant but you know i, I y- yeah <laughs> yeah it's we didn't even have that kind of conversation she uh she is uh she actually <laughs> this is so funny she works for me uh in my department and, and uh, you know i run operations and and she's in there and everything but like weird conversations sort of like you're saying weird conversations happen um, when she wanted a new car, and this is several years ago, when she wanted a new car, um, she has a Great Dane that uh, is her beloved puppy, which she's a dog person, which with me makes you instantly cool. Like I, we're we're together on that. And uh, I'll give you another like, class of distinction, one that I came across in my head recently when it comes to that. Yeah, so she's like, uh, any car I get, I'll have to, you know, make sure that it's it's big enough for my Dane. And I'm like, oh, wow, like, we're, I'm like, you have a great Dane? She's, yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, she's awesome and everything. And then I'm like, where do you live that's big enough for a great Dane? You know, like, uh, she's whatever. And because she always talks about her apartment. Well, she has an apartment close to work, so that before the, the, uh, uh, pandemic happened she could commute very easily and she said yeah it kills me when i have to go back home because i don't see her during the week i i go back to the house and you know our our 
housekeeper takes care of her and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the butler leaves her, you know, walks her and everything. I'm like, whoa, butler, housekeeper, like they live there. Yeah. The other one for me was when my friend was talking about the fact that she lived in the a, a section of her, her mom's house. I went, oh, oh OK. And, and she's like, yeah, it used to be the servants quarters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Like she, she, this chick was like interviewing chefs for her mom. And I'm like, oh, I see. You're not only on a different level than me, you're on a different platform. <laughs> okay. Like it's like, I'm not even close to where this would be. Um, I, I, I will never retire and I just sort of have to be okay with that. Um, because if you don't, you just cry, <laughs> you just cry yourself to sleep because you're never, it's never going to happen for our generation or really anyone below us. And, and you're right. There's this huge divide of people who have that and people who don't. And I, I know that it's, it's difficult for some people, but if you, if you just sit there and pine over it, you know, like my example with the, the old muscle car, I'll never have that. So what I decided to do is do it with something I could do that with. And I've decided uh, uh, that restoring old firearms is my thing uh, because it's kind of the same thing. It's mechanical. You get to do stuff with woodwork. You get to do metal work and then you go out and enjoy them. But instead of costing 50 to $100,000 per project, it's like 150, 250 bucks, you know, maybe 500 if it's a big project. I could probably swing that, you know. Um, so I have all these projects and I get to do the things that I enjoy and, and rehabilitate things and, and enjoy them and everything and build stuff. I just can't do it on the level that that, you know, uh, uh, I thought maybe at one point I would be able to. And I it's it's being happy with what you have. You know, now it does pay for my hobby and I'm not out any money and. And I'm able to do stuff because I have the skills to to build these things and, and make them available to myself. Um, and it makes me happy. So I can't really fault that. But at the same time, you know, in your heart, you're always just like, God damn, I wish this was like a 69 Camaro. You know, I wish this Remington 870 was a 69 Camaro because I, I swear I could make it work. Um. But it's just not like you're saying. It's just not on your level. This is not how much you have. Now, have you figured out though that you can see the same thing by the dog that somebody owns? Hmm. On the top level of that. Now, now there are exceptions to the rules here, but on the top level I don't know. of that, every dog I've ever had is like a rescue. Well, and, and, and that, <laughs> nobody that's, wanted this that's dog. Where I'm about to go. The top level of that is is people who own little things like Yorkies and Pomeranians. They go everywhere and they pee on everything and nobody cares because the person who has them is rich and will just hand you a hundred dollar bill to pay for the cleaning. Mm, Yeah, no. They they travel everywhere in a handbag that costs more than your car. Yeah, exactly. The next level below that, which is really what made me think of this, is because uh, my mother yesterday was talking about uh, a... um, a thing that happens on in the Delaware beaches, and it's called Doodle Fest, where everybody brings out their doodles. And it's basically that next level of, of snottiness is, is any dog that ends in doodle. Labradoodle. Yeah, oh, yeah. Labradoodle, yes. Galadoodle. Ba- basically, yes. it's, it's, you've, you've, you've had a dog that's been mutated with a poodle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the next thing below that is retrievers. 
I don't know, man. I've met some good old boys who uh, they take their hunting dog very seriously. Uh, well, but y- y- I'm not talking about the person who actually has a hunting dog. I'm talking about the person who loves their golden lab. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, okay. Yeah. Now, now I will say I've been that person. <laughs> but but at the same time, then you get to you and me. What kind of dog do you have? I rescued a pit bull. <laughs> I, I rescued a pity crop, a, uh, a staffy Roddy cross. He looks like he was put together by spare parts. <laughs> He's the sweetest dog in the world. He has an IQ of about eight. And he is the sweetest boy on in the history of the planet. And he loves little girls. And he he must they must pet him. Like, and he's 100, 100% bulletproof. Like, a child cannot do anything to this dog to make him unhappy with them. You know, stick their fingers in his ears and his eyes up his nose. You know, lift his lips up to see his teeth and stuff like that. And he just looks around like, ah, see, they love me. That's the guy I got. You know, like the one who was abandoned and wasn't, like, nobody was going to take this dog. And, like... That's my homie right there. That's my dude. Every dog we've ever had, and we've had one, two, three, four, four, four dogs since Shannon and I have been married, which is uh, 23 years next month, um, has been a rescue. It's been, and we've always had the one that nobody wanted. Right? Like, we'll pay for his shots and his spare neutering if you just take this dog. That's our guy. I tend to end up with the ones that nobody thinks that they think nobody can handle. (laughs) Yeah. The the dog I have now, Jersey, you know, went through several families before making with us because it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, she's 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 a stubborn one. Nobody wants nobody can seem to be able to handle her. She keeps coming back to us. It's kind of like, no, no, got this. I had one like that. Uh, his name was Talon. He was a border collie, and he was an escape artist. You couldn't keep him anywhere he didn't want to be. Like it, it just—he was so smart and he was so athletic. He could leap a six-foot fence. He could, he could dig out of anything. He could open doors. He could, he could get out of anywhere. Okay, take take that same concept, but take the intelligence part out of it and just add in brute strength. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're not going over the fence. We're going, we're going through, through the fence. <laughs> And the worst part about it is, is that my mine was sitting there trying. I, the only reason why she wasn't going through the fence is because I was standing right there as she was looking at me, going, "You know I could." And, and when, while some idiot is literally walking his pug right next to my fence, going, "Say hi." <laughs> that's meat on a leash, is what you're doing. And, and see, that's. Like when we when we met one and of she, our and she just kept looking back at me going you know I could squash him you know yeah I could eat that right you know that right we had a uh, chocolate lab who was a rescue um, he was great and he um, he was one of those ones who they found him with a shock collar that was just run out of battery and it burned him on his neck so he was very sensitive to anyone who even looked like he was hunting and. We meet him at the shelter because nobody's going to take this damn dog. He's very – he doesn't like men. He doesn't like anything, and he's hes very scared. So we show up, and I'm like, hey, bud, what's going on? And he didn't immediately flare out at me or anything like that, and, and they're like, holy crap. you know. And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, oh, that. Um, that's his brick. 
his brick. Yeah, he pulled it off the wall, and now he just carries it around. We're not exactly sure what he's doing with it, but that's his brick, because he tries to kill you if you take it away from him. Like, all right, we got some work to do there. <laughs> we'll work on that. Let's just see if we can do this. So, and he was the sweetest dog, but it's... That's my level, you know, not the the little Yorkie that rides around in a Prada bag or or something like that. Like it's like I I get the broken ones, but then again, I like the broken ones. You know, that's more my speed. Uh, I you know the that personality test that they have. You know, I come up rehabilitator every time. Uh, I I love to, I I don't think anything can't be fixed. <laughs> I will not say on uh, radio that anybody else in the world will hear besides you what I come up as on those things. <laughs> Instigator. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I just it's it's weird. It's weird to think about, and and it's weird to uh, to see how things really shake out with a lot of that, but. Um, Anyway, now that I've hijacked the cast completely, <laughs> why, don't, why don't we you know, why don't we go ahead and do our our media recommendations? I'm ninety percent sure I know what yours is going to be, so just go for it. Well, as I said, uh, yes, it is. It's um, Russian Doll. It is, which even just from this conversation, I now have to go and watch this. I, I did have. watch your last one, and I really did enjoy that. The uh, Tokyo. Oh, isn't it good? Oh, the, the, in the, Tokyo Vice is that's what that's what yes. It's yes. Oh, that's, it's... And, and now I, I know I haven't finished it. Is the last episode comes out this week or next week? Uh, I think I think next week. Okay. Um, I was just I'm I, oh, it's so good. Um, so so good. But uh, this is another one that our friend Beef made me watch. Uh. He's like, dude, you got to watch Russian Doll, and and he's like, yeah, but it's time looping. You love time travel, and I, and I do. It is like if there is a weakness I have for for material, time travel is it. It it, it centers off the chick who's who's uh, from Orange is the New Black. It's Natasha Leon. She is a Russian Hungarian, uh, second generation Russian Hungarian uh, New Yorker, and what she starts to experience on her birthday is a time loop. And she doesn't really understand what's going on, you know, and, and every time she dies, it resets, but it changes something. Every time it resets, there's something that's changed. Um, so she dies a lot. <laughs> and what she finally comes to understand is is there's another person out there in the world named Alan who she meets in an elevator when they both plummet to their death. And uh, she's like, aren't you concerned, man, as the elevator's plummeting? And he's like, no, I'm not worried about it. I die all the time. And she turns around and looks at him. She's like, me too. And then they wind up finding each other and realize that they are connected in this time loop. And they don't understand what's happening. And the whole first season, there's two seasons of it. The whole first season is why is this happening and what can we do to stop it? And the second season it starts pushing them back and, and the time loop stops being about them and starts being about their parents and sometimes their grandparents. They'll go back 50, 60, 70 years. And, and they start realizing that not only are 
they way more connected than they thought they were going to be. Their family isn't what they thought it was either. And do you fix it? Do you not fix it? How do you fix it? What can you change and what can you not? What's important? How do we reset the loop? How do we get out of the loop? Because there's obviously a conclusion that it keeps driving you towards. And they don't really understand it because they don't understand the changes that are happening as they're occurring until it gets really obvious. And I I blew through two seasons in two days. Uh, I just mainlined it. It is... Uh, now, I will caution you about this. The first season is perfection. Absolute perfection. I have not seen a time-looping series like this um, probably since Back to the Future as far as its complexity. It does really, really well, uh, especially with some of the um, uh, moral quandaries. The next thing uh, is season two starts off a little slow because it really has to introduce a whole bunch of new characters because they're regressing past their own lives uh, in some of these time loops. And you're like, what is going on? Why are we do? Where are we going? You know, why are why are we in 1940s Germany? This is not cool. Now, um, now I'm not asking for the answer as to what the answer is, but do they ever address how and why this is happening to them? Uh, at the end of the first season, you know what they were supposed to do. At the end of the second season, you know why it's happening, but you don't know how. Okay. So uh, supposedly, uh, now there there was a big difference. There was a big jump. You will notice that Natasha Leon gets significantly older and thinner, uh, maybe like 15 pounds thinner and, and a couple of years older uh, because of the pandemic. They didn't record for like three years. Or they didn't do uh, uh, the new season for like three years, um, so there's there's a jump there. But um, supposedly they're supposed to be getting another three, uh, uh, season three, and it's on Netflix. So if you got Netflix, you got this. Uh, it's called Russian Doll. It is, I would say, surprise. I thought it was going to be a woke femme comedy the first uh, for the first episode, and then like the further you get into it, you're like. Oh crap. Oh crap. Oh crap. You know, I'm like texting beef. Like what is happening? I don't understand. What is these loops going? Like you, and he's just like, just ride it out, man. <laughs> just, just ride it out. You're going to love this. So it was surprisingly good. I was, it's sophisticated. And, um, actually at the end, it's kind of sweet. So, um, it's, uh, I would say season two is probably not quite as good as season one because season one will make your brain melt. Um, season two is that good, but it's it's you have to kind of move towards the later episodes to really understand what's going on. But I would wholly recommend the the Russian Doll uh, both seasons. Uh, check it out; it's on Netflix. It's free. You can binge them. I did it in two days. Well, now I know what I'm watching this week. <laughs> uh, well. In the process of listening to you, I changed what I what I was going to do as far as recommend recommending because I, I 
I've been waiting for at some point in life we're going to have to talk about my favorite book series in the entire world, and I'm going to just completely geek out. and Yeah. But instead, we're going to – I'm going to switch over to something different because it made me think of it while listening to your description of the show. Anybody who's listening to this who has not watched the show Orphan Black is – what the fuck are you doing, and why haven't you done this wow. yet? Wow. Yeah. Um. The young lady, or she's not exactly a young lady anymore, but she's going to be playing She-Hulk in the Marvel series. Tatiana Maslany? Maslany. Yeah. Uh, The fact that it took as long as it did for her to be recognized for the job that she did with this show is, um, it's one of the true tragedies of, uh, you know, Hollywood award seasons, considering the fact that she plays in the show something in the nature of eight different characters who who are all clones of each other but all have completely separate personalities even to the point where some of them if you didn't know it was the same actress you may have wondered whether or not they got somebody else to play the character i can honestly and, say and, and yeah. even, well but even then throw in the fact that it's not like she's playing separate characters in separate times there are times in which all of the characters she plays are in the room at the same time which means she's had to go through the scene from eight different perspectives uh, it, I, it's it's just amazing even even though the story itself is stunning just the sheer work of actor professionalism that this woman had to have in order to accomplish what she did with the show is just amazing. I will suggest to you that this is this woman um, not only is supremely talented and wildly unrecognized for her talent. This specifically is why I tell people never date an actor. Never be involved with an actor. Well, th- this is because... actually one of those shows that would make you make someone believe your theory on Will Smith and Chris Rock having just acted out that whole thing as dramatic as it looked. Yeah. Because this woman could have done that. <laughs> yeah. She can literally become other people with the snap of a finger. And you can watch her do it. And she is is one of those people who can make you believe she is feeling anything. Well, and I'm but, not but, kidding. But even then, I mean, it, it, at one point, in, or actually not even one point, for a good portion of the show, she's not simply playing one of the characters. She's playing one of the characters pretending to be one of the other characters. Yeah, how deep do you have to go? <laughs> I mean, I I don't know exactly like what her background is or how she trained or whatever. What I, I don't know any of that stuff. I just remember being completely blown away that not only was she doing it, but it was even possible for somebody to do this good a job. Uh, and and I, like you're saying, I think she's like, she's a handful of characters, like half a dozen, maybe more uh, well, characters <laughs> in the same I, show. I, Okay, and you well, but but, and, but even you then, don't you've, think you've of them as the same person. You've got one of them where I mean, I, I the, the one I can think of is that she's got one where you literally have five of them in the same room in the same scene. Yeah, and it's kind of yeah. like seriously. The crazy, the crazy blonde was always my favorite. <laughs> well. <laughs> Unfortunately, she was the one that would never want anything to do with me, but the lesbian with the braids was actually my favorite. 
Uh, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. She played thirteen different characters in the same show. And I promise you, I promise you, you some of them, you will not recognize her. Even though it's the same actress, you will not recognize that this is the same actress, that she is playing that role as well. It is fucked up. <laughs> okay, she. you want to talk about somebody who can melt your brain? This woman is capable of doing that. The fact that she's actually stunningly beautiful is also doesn't make this any dip more difficult. <laughs> no. Um, she, is, she is stunningly beautiful and supremely talented. I would put her up against any actor any actor you would like to name and i bet you she could run circles around them i mean this was a, a i don't know like you i don't know how the hell um i know she won an emmy for it but um, it was it, but it was it, it was the outcry for the people who had seen the show for the fact that she hadn't even been nominated until like four seasons in was kind of like re- really yeah, uh, two Critics' Choice Awards, five Canadian Screen Actor Awards. But but once again, it took something in the nature of like yeah. four seasons before she even started to be recognized for. It. Yeah, people are like, "Have you seen this? <laughs> Seriously, have you have you witnessed her do this? Uh, it, it's literally an act of brilliance. Um, I mean, I, I just just if you haven't seen it, find it somewhere." And watch it, the damn it, show. If you have Amazon Prime, it's free on Amazon. Yeah, she is five foot four of complete and total acting talent. I'm not kidding. Um, the, the other thing is 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 what I liked about her characters is I've always liked characters who are uh, who find themselves in situations and then just commit to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the reasons why I've enjoyed the Jason Bourne movies, because it, though it's a little bit more dramatic, it's, you know, you see him make decisions of I go this way and I die. I go this way and I might die. And it's really going to be awful. But at least there's a chance. And right. It just makes that decision. Um, you know, the decision that, you know, she does it a couple of times in the show. The one that always pops to my mind because I'm a dirty old man is the one in which she's pretending to be that one person. And the, the other uh, one's fiance walks into the room and she just has to make the decision of, well, I'm just going to jump him. <laughs> you know, there's really no other way to convince him right now that I am who I say I am. Hell with guy. I guess I just have to have sex with him. <laughs> And and just that that level of just uh, I I have to commit to this con that I'm running and it doesn't really matter whether I really want to or not I'm just gonna have to do this <laughs> I'm just gonna have to but, go but but the, as much as that's the situation that kind of goes into my head I think there's a one point in time where she has to commit to shooting somebody because she's pretending to be somebody else who's nuts you know all of that kind of stuff I uh, yeah I mean it's she is is just a powerhouse. Really, she is. Um, and I enjoy that kind of stuff, too. Like, sure, her force of will goes through. It's kind of why I enjoy, like, Bourne, like you're saying, or John Wick. Like, John Wick is a force of nature with with purpose, right? And it's fun to watch him just, like, they throw everything at him to break him, and it's just not possible. And it's that's what makes John Wick cool, right? That's what makes Bourne cool. With with Sarah, which was you know one of her 
character's well, that's name. That's the main character. Yeah, that's the main character. With Sarah, you just can't beat her. She will find a way. And she always does. And it may not be the way you'd have picked, but she will well, find a way. But, but it's it, it's it, it, it's her commitment to whatever it is that she's getting done. If she yeah, has, and that's it, the point. Yeah, it, she'll it, find it. It's And it doesn't matter what it is that she has to do to get it done. She needs to shoot you, she'll shoot you. She needs to sleep with you, she'll sleep with you. It, it doesn't matter what that is. She's going she's gonna to get to where she needs to be. And whatever obstacle is in her way, she's going to figure it out. It's a really great series. Uh, you guys ought to see that if you already haven't. Although I, I have the feeling a lot of people who listen to this show uh, probably have seen that. But um, it's it, it, well done. Just very, very, very well done. Anything else? Uh, no, I think I hijacked and rambled on enough. Well, we... <laughs> Well, hey, we actually had a nice philosophical discussion tonight rather than talking about the normal doom and gloom end of the world shit that we normally do. I, I think this was nice. We, you, yeah, you should you know. come up with topics like this more often considering the fact that all I can really find a way to do is bitch about the world. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, so I will end us as we normally do. If the world is still here when we uh, next weekend, we will see you then. <laughs>